Welcome to the Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast, where expert advice becomes real results. At RNA, we are public land hunters that love to share our passion of the outdoors. So join us and our pro staff team as we speak with experts in the industry to share insight and knowledge to help make hunters more successful. We used to have a little saying that hunting and whiskey and gunpowder didn't make a good mix. That's not how art sees it, right? That's not how art sees it. Art, art, art would it say is. at 9 o'clock in the morning, would you like breakfast? And I'd say no because I was so excited to seeing all these deer and stuff. And he'd say, they asked me like three times and after... After the this last I'm going to ask, you want any breakfast? I said, no. He goes, bar's open <laughs> at 9 in the morning. Well, you know you're wow. in trouble when you're in, in Russia and you show up for breakfast and there's a shot glass next to your breakfast plate. You're thinking, it's breakfast That's for time. vodka. And they're like, well, yeah. You've got to have three shots before we get going. Three shots in the morning. <laughs> like, Okay. <sighs> Okay, um, we'll just kind of segue and, and keep talking about deer hunting. So, you know, we've heard some stories since we've been here uh, from some of the resident experts about some of the bucks that have been taken out of this yeah. unit. I think one was shared by Evan's brother that said he shot like a 272 net, I believe, um, typical 40-inch buck. And then Evan's shot like a 220 or 230-inch buck out of this. Back in um, the day. Yeah, Goodale good G3 unit. But... You know, based on those stories and what we know from years ago to now, I mean, what what's your overall perception of this unit? It, do we still consider, and does California still consider this G3 unit as a trophy class unit versus some of the other units that are starting to see probably a higher trophy class of deer in the state? You know, I, I have to wade in, and I have to say in my mind what's happened is We've got a lot more predators. You know, we can't hunt mountain lions at all. And we have a lot more coyotes and bears. You know, we were just talking about this is the first time, no, since they've stopped bear hunting with hounds, what, the last three years? Yeah, quotas have been, it's under 1,000 right now that they've taken, and the quota is 1,700 bears a year. And it so. used to be when I was growing up, they'd take 1,700 bears by the end of October yeah, every yeah, year. Absolutely. I mean, yep, bear hunting was over. Down. And you saw a really hellaciously big bear track up there. Yeah. We saw, we saw a black bear track that I don't know that I've ever seen. I mean, I've seen grizzly bear tracks before, but this print was all of twice the size of Brandon's hand when he put it down in the snow and the, and the print was probably I would say less than a week old so yeah. there had been a good good bear move through that I looked at that Luke area. and I said is there grizzlies around here? <laughs> well welcome to California that's a good question right? Well so in my mind I think what the problem is is with the predators that we have and with the drought that we have that California trophy mule deer season which is supposed to be the December hunts. There's only, what, like two or three hunts, one muzzleloader and two rifle, 
hunts in December. I hate to say it, but I think it's it's the days gone by. You know, the genetics just aren't as strong well, as they used to be. I think you should talk about the forked horn problem here. Because in past years, everybody wanted to shoot a trophy, which which is natural. And a lot of the herd bucks, really terrific bucks, have been shot. And a forked horn was there, and nobody would shoot it. And there's a few forked horn uh, bucks that they just have the forked horn genetics in them. And now they're old bucks, and they're doing a lot of the breed, and they're going to throw more forked horns. So uh, some of the residents here think that they should, for this area, they should have a special forked horn only hunt, and then after as many of the forked horns are shot out as you can shoot out, cut all buck hunting off for five years. And at the end of that five years, you're going to have trophy animals almost everywhere. And that would be heaven for most hunters. But I know that's drastic. But I'm thinking... It's, it's like Jason says, trophy hunting is on the way down, and I think it's going to take something drastic to, to bring it back. To change the, the gene pool. Well, and, and I mean, That's I kind point. of have a different, I mean, our friend Evan, who's basically, in my opinion, the re local expert in regards to this, he mentioned, well, the unit just above this, it's just as good as this unit. It's just they don't. They don't hunt them at that time of year. Why not implement a alternating season where, okay, next year they do the 35 trophy tags in the next unit to the north. And in this unit, they implement a either a junior or a management hunt where it's got to have a fork on, on one side. Now, let's face facts. We've seen some pretty big three-by-twos that most guys would be happy, happy to shoot. We've seen some three-points, you know, and forked horns. Well, that one forked horn was just phenomenal, you know. I saw two forked horns today, one with Daniel and, and one two, with Ron. Two with me. Two with you. Three, yeah. Three oh, respectable forked horns. I mean, yeah. I saw a three-by-two today. It was... Only 24 wide, but it was at least 27 tall. That that's, was that's a tall buck. Yeah, yeah, 27 <laughs> inches tall. It was at least that 27, I think. Proud and tall. But yeah, it was only three by two, and it was barely three. It had a little crabby fork on the front left side, but so I mean, you could do you could do something in this unit where it was a junior hunt. Or uh, what we would consider a management hunt. I mean, there's guys that would burn five points to be able to come over here and shoot a big old, you know, yeah, forked horn, yeah. or a, or who knows? I mean, it could have four points on one side. 
I'd burn at least two because that's all I'd add next year. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Used but, to be max point holder. Yeah, used to be max point holder, exactly. Yeah. But that's but I think that's something just as Dad had said. It's drastic, but it's gonna take something drastic to change things. Yeah. And no, I, I alternating alternating areas for for the success of that type of a hunt would be, in my opinion, would be a great thing to do. But once again, what I've seen in the state of California is they manage the people. They don't manage the animals. They're trying to appease the human population instead of thinking what's best for the animals. And it's as a personal opinion. You look at a lot of the states like Colorado and there's parts of Arizona and, of course, Montana is another one that they have over allocations of over-the-counter tags and it is it's it's to me it's a price point they're managing the people and they're managing the amount of money coming in because it is it's a you know obviously there's a there's a there's a money figure that's attached to this but so they think by doing that that they're managing the animals but I don't think they are I think the animals are being managed by mountain lions by wolves in some places grizzly bears that's where a lot of conservation happens it's you know, I look at Montana statistics, you know, 15% of the population kill an elk in Montana, right? So you have how many thousands of people travel there and they go hunt and 10% of that population harvests an elk. Well, if only 10% of the population harvests an elk, your elk population should be off the charts, right? But they're really controlled by predation and other things that happen. And, uh, it's unfortunate. You're absolutely right. You know, they, California is one of those states that manages what you would think should be managing the animal. And Tony brought up a great point. Why don't you do maybe a management hunt where, you know, you let juniors or someone come in and take some of the genetics out of the gene pool? Um, the other thing is, do you think about dropping tag allocation? You know, there's a pro- the problem with that is, is you have more max point holders every year creeping in, but the more tags you allocate, the more two by threes and small frame four by fours get shot. Whereas if that buck had an opportunity to grow two or three more years, he could be a good buck, but you have people that shoot him on the opening weekend and uh, they never have that opportunity to get big. And we saw that. I mean, look at how many deer. And that's the, that's the sad part is California fishing games going to report, Hey, the Goodale unit produced out of 35 tags, 30 of them, had four points or better on one side. That's what they're going to report. Reality is that we all know we've been here. Yeah, okay, a guy shot a four by three that's crabby on one side and weak on the other, but it was standing on the side of the road and it was, you know, Sunday afternoon and he had to be back at work on Monday. And while he waited all 15 years to get the tag, he shot it, you know? And some people are at a different hunting space in their career where that's okay. But I hate to say it, waiting 15 years to draw a tag where you're going to shoot a deer that you don't necessarily want or you can go to Montana or you could go to Colorado every third or fourth year and shoot a deer better than that, that's pretty sad. Yeah. I was looking at some of the statistics. There's over 500 max point applicants still. 
for this zone, and you haven't drawn that tag after 15 years, would you say you're kind of disappointed in G3? Or I, I would. I would say it's, it's really disappointing. And the silly part is last year when I was here with my brother, I told myself, you know what? This, ta- this tag's not worth 15 years. Or at that point, 14 years. That's what I told myself. But also, when it came to draw time, I looked at all the other hunts and I went, none of these other hunts are producing anything any better. And at least I know it. And I thought, well, the odds of drawing are what we talked. It was like five max. Point, yeah, it's five yeah and max a is still only 5%. So I thought, you know, I'm going to put my name in the hat. Yeah, and it's 5.44%. Yeah, and, and it's not going to happen. Holder. It's not going to happen. So I don't have to worry about it, you know. But if it does happen, at least I get to go hunt in December. I mean, come on. What do we do most of the time in December? Sit around and Christmas eat leftover and, turkey yeah. and, and think about, man, I was supposed to buy somebody's Christmas present, but I didn't get around to it. Ah, I got another two weeks before Christmas, right? Yeah. So Evan told us last year that he thought that this hunt was no longer a trophy hunt. He What did he call it? He said it's like he would classify it as a... What was the words he used? Like, you know, almost like a guaranteed hunt. It's a you know, it's a quality, quality it's a quality le- hunt, but it's le- just not a trophy yeah, hunt. So, what he said, he said you're gonna look over a thousand deer, and you're looking for four. Yeah. Out of a thousand deer that you see, you're looking for four deer. And I don't know if anybody heard my text that just came across. They went back and looked in some pretty nasty area and of course it was really nasty today so it was hard to look but they only saw two four by fours that were in the 20 inch range that were basically not deer that we'd be interested in after going you know for a little small eight hour jaunt to try to cover some area um a lot of work for that type of reward yeah yeah. Did they get all the way to the top? Um, it sounded like they they did at least get to the point where they could glass that area, but whether or not they could see anything or whether or not anything was moving, because, man, we had deer at 4.30 this afternoon that were all bedded down. I mean, you get anywhere close and you start trying to see them and they're bedded down, it's a joke. Yeah, it's been interesting, because we've seen probably on average hundred deer a day some probably more than others because we've all kind of divided and conquered but of the deer that we've seen there's been probably 30 percent of the deer or bucks probably even 40 percent of those deer or bucks because most of the herds we saw today there was 10 deer and there was five to six bucks in every group but you know you're dealing with smaller framed it's it's almost like they're they're drought type bucks is what i what what i see because when I hunt Montana when a I was a kid. A lot of spindly horns. Very spindly. I mean, we would look at decent size, you know, frame 4x4s. I haven't seen one of those bucks here. And we see those all the time, right? I mean, as a kid, you saw those 4x4, you know, good solid frame dark horn bucks in Montana all the time. I haven't even seen that, that type of buck here. The closest one we saw was that small... Um, blacktail looking buck this morning yeah was you know he was heavy horned and he was an old deer but he just he was really really weak you know he was really narrow he had probably four or five points on either side but there just wasn't a lot there 
Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, you can see, when you look at a deer and it's got a big old pot belly and a suede back and a white head, I mean, they're, they're just, they're different, you know, they're, they're a older deer, but, you know, whether or not they're that right genetic class, that's, that's a whole nother guess. And kind of like dad said, you know, you, you get to a stage where, you know, everybody waits so long, nobody wants to shoot a deer that's not a four point if that's really the going standards for a good mule deer and i think the problem that we have in california is that we just we've we've kind of missed the boat you know a lot of other states like arizona and utah and nevada they're they're really they they manage their animals better than than we do yeah you know and tag allocations are different and non-resident tags are almost nil i mean for the good units in utah it's 10 percent of the random draw which is like one or two tags non-resident tags for california are non-existent Non-existent, most of the people that are out of state go why would i want why would i want to go to california (laughs) you know but for some of the folks in the room here like i i started late on the deer game but i'm getting close on sheep and elk but for like brandon and daniel i mean what do you guys do now after seeing this do you do you apply in G3? You know, Brandon, you got how many points? 11. 11 points. So you're you're creeping up there to a point where you're going to potentially see a trophy tag at some point. Since the year I started hunting, this has been a dream unit. So I was way excited to come this weekend to come see all this. And like Lucas said, I mean, don't get me wrong. Every time you put up your binoculars, there's yeah. I mean, nine times out of ten, there's going to be deer there or there's bucks somewhere. There, there's no shortage of deer, that's for sure, but they, they, none of them... Yeah, we, we talked about it because I said last year I was just like you, you know, just so excited. And don't get me wrong, I'm still that way, you know, just real excited. But if you look for 15 minutes, you're probably going to find, gonna a, find deer. a deer for almost for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, when in doubt, you know, check the next draw over and sure enough, oh, there's there's some deer, there's two, three deer, and then you can... Start to see the buck pushing the does. Yeah. You know, there's a buck in there. The question being is, would you would you be smarter to spend your points? And I and I say spend your points because I think of it as a mathematical or a cost effective situation. Would you be smarter to spend your points and maybe try for a different area than to wait? Because you know, five percent. I mean, a thirty five tags. I mean, it could still be another. 10 years for a maximum point holder. Could be 20 years. You know? Well, the reality is some (laughs) maximum point holders are going to come to that conclusion and go, look, you know, it's to the stage where I can't. I mean, I was really looking at, I could probably take, I was thinking I could take my max points, divide it between my two kids, and take the three of us and go on a, a better... No, I'm not going to say a a better hunt than this, but a hunt where possibly somebody might see a, a nice buck, but everybody would have a chance at harvesting something. So that's you know one of the mindsets that I, I was going through, mm-hmm. and of course I drew. So that's my that's kids are like, well, that sucks, Dad. I can't believe you came up with that statement after the fact. But thinking but, about like you know Wyatt and Amber, I mean, you can apply for them, but. Could they ever draw like this? This tag. Well, there's or, three. What's the? You got the numbers. 
Well, they, there's three tags. Yeah, based so on the, the random drawing in 2015, there was 4,100 applicants at a whopping 0.07% draw odd. Right? Not, not, not 1%, a point point zero. zero. Yeah, not even point 0.1. But I'm thinking, you know, when Wyatt's 30, what's max point going to be right at, at that time? I mean, max point right now is 15. Max points then could be so 24 points, right? I mean, look at Arizona, yeah. some of the trophy units in Arizona. Nevada's another example, yeah. right, where you're up in the high teens to low 20s. Still haven't, still haven't drawn a tag. Still haven't drawn a tag. Arizona's really bad about that. And there's people that I think have realized statistically I'll never have the advantage of, of drawing a tag in, in Arizona in the prime units. Yeah, and so then you go, well, would you rather go hunting somewhere and just, you know, go do it? Or do you go ahead and go, I'm going to go ahead and just try one more year? Or like this year, I think the thing for me is I thought, well, I'm not going to draw it. So there's no reason for me to worry about it. I'll throw my name in the hat and just roll the dice. And lo and behold, man, my number came up. You got the like, call. Woo, that's crazy. So yeah. well, I, mean, I think about... I think about your dad, Max Pointholder, right? I mean, is this the unit that you apply for, you know, for Tony next year? Right? Yeah. Or is well, it... if I apply five more years, I don't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean in any of those five years I'm going to draw. I'll be 80 years old. Mountains are getting, they're getting shorter, Dad. They're not as high as they look. <laughs> Right, Daniel? Yeah, sure. So yeah, if, if sure. you can't Daniel find a buck on the flat, even if I draw, I'm not going to be a threat to anybody. I'll, just be, <laughs> I'll be here to have a good time and sh to shoot a big fork and horn if they don't change. Yeah, shoot a big short the venue, sword on Change the venue to a better situation. Yeah. How about you, Daniel? I mean, I mean, for me, like... I'm not young enough to do junior hunts anymore, so really the only thing that I'm doing is I'm probably just going to accumulate preference points, not even try to draw anything because you try to put in for a this hunt when the time's not right and you get lucky but unlucky, kind of like Jason did. Yeah. And the year's not right, but your ticket came. So for me, I'm, gonna, I'm young enough to where I could wait it out and hopefully in... 10 years when I have max point the zone will be better and if not I'll just wait another 5 to 10 years because I'm in it for the long run I mean I have enough points in Wyoming that I could do Wyoming hunts until then very cool so like do Wyoming elk and then hopefully in 3 years take Wyatt to Wyoming antelope hunt you know that's always the fear like I think about like in Arizona is is if you get a really drought year without some of that monsoonal weather that comes Oof. in the summertime, you know, that's a difference of 30 to 40 points on an elk, right? But if they have that year where you have a lot of a rain and a lot of feed, that can be all the difference in the antler growth of those animals. And I, I think that's representative of this area too. I mean, if you had a really good, you know, rainy season, uh, I think you would see that in the, in the difference in the antler quality of the bucks here versus years where to me when I see a spindly deer that to me tells me that they're not feeding and they're not eating well and they're not nutritionally balanced like they should be 
And that's and that's a strong possibility in the state of California. I mean, come on, we all we all have been hearing it. We all know it. You know, we've been in a drought. Last year we had we had a normal rain year last year. Normal. Everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, we had a lot of rain." No. Basically, we had a normal rain year last year. Now, Northern California this year is getting absolutely hammered. But once again, Central California, it's under. But but you have to fit in. Northern California is getting hammered with rain, but what they really need is a lot of snowpack. Snowpack. And it's too warm so far to get yeah, much of that. the snowpack. We've seen that just the, just and this the, week. The rain just goes into the rivers and then goes out into the ocean and it's gone. Yeah, it's it or, is the snowpack and it's in the Sierra snowpack where that's important. It's because that fills up the the high mountain lakes that feed us all water in the valleys, right? Okay. So just kind of one last general question before we, we kind of wrap things up. You know, I've, I've hunted the, the western side of the Sierras. I've hunted D7, and I've been in some of that, you know, area of California, but I've never been on the east side, and I've never spent time in these mountains. And it is, to me, unlike almost any other mountain range. I've, hunt, I've spent it is. a lot of time in the Rocky Mountains. I've hunted the Alps and yep. in New Zealand, but these are completely different topography straight up and straight down baby yeah and it, it's it's crazy because you drive the owens valley and you look both directions and all you see is straight up but um it well, is it is brandon, different what, hunting. what did we what did we say brandon it was uphill both directions wasn't that's, that what that's that right what said and to luke's point we were proud of ourselves on friday morning because we got up to the highest point we thought we could go at a rock face and lo and behold, we're laying there on our backpacks, glassing. And we look up another thousand yards, and there were the big bucks way up in the bowl. Literally at the top of the world. Hey, Sierras go to the top of the world. And this unit basically, the divide is basically where the peak of the mountain stretches and it drops off on the, on the other side. That's this unit. It's crazy. I mean, the, you know, these are granite peaks. I mean, literally... God, I, my first day, first climb that I did, I got into a couple of places where the granite had decomposed and it slid down. You take two steps and basically slide backwards one. I mean, the ground was just weird. Yeah. Now, I kind of appreciated that going down because it was softer on my knees. But, you know, when it takes you three steps, and just like today when you and I walked across that one flat, God, it was almost like walking in sand. Yeah. It was goofy. Yeah. You know, you'd step and you'd literally sink three, four inches, and you don't think much about that until you've done that about a mile, and then you go all of a sudden, wow, my legs are tired and I'm sore, and oh yeah, I got a pack and all that other crap that we thought we needed that we really didn't need. You know, these mountains are, are crazy. Yeah, the pinnacles are awesome, aren't they? It's a they? test. It, totally. I mean, they're straight up and down, and if you stay on the north-facing slopes, they're covered in snow. If you get on the south-facing slopes, they're typically, you know, dry. But still, with the dry, you've got the shale rock, and you've got the light, you know, the it's almost like a moon dust that it's really light walking through that. It's been, it's been an experience for me because I haven't spent a lot of time on this side of the Sierras. It's different. It's way different. Well, we grew up, Dad and Ron... 
and Daniel and myself, we grew up hunting in Northern California, towards the coast primarily, but basically blacktail country. And we always thought our mountain was a steep mountain. I'm well, telling you, it is a steep mountain. This is just This is just twice, <laughs> twice as steep. This is like, yeah. Well, what 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 did what did we say? I mean, our mountain is sixty seventy five hundred. Yeah, seventy five hundred feet, and the reality is that it's steep, but it's a different. But seventy five hundred is not fourteen thousand. Most of our mountain is not vertical. It's kind of a rounded. Where sometimes you're walking up, and you can reach out and touch the mountain with your hand when you're walking up it because it's that steep in a few places but most of it is not straight up and straight down this area here has a lot of straight up and straight down i think that has a lot to do with you know being on the east side of the sierras the storms come in and the way they roll over the mountain and how it you know basically grates this side of the mountain it's it's unique. It's different. And for those people that have never been here, it's beautiful. I mean, it is stunning how the pinnacles look. And, of course, as I was driving up the road the other day, and here's five or six boulders about half the size of, you know, a Volkswagen, it seems like, in the middle of the road. And you're like, well, those aren't going anywhere until they bring a cat up here and move them out of the way. But, I mean, those are the things that happen here naturally. You know, I mean, it's just big, big, big country and tall. Because what we're here at Independence and it's 4,000, and we drive up to the base of the mountain at about 5,500. And then when you start hiking, you go it's from 5,000 vertical feet. Yeah, you go from 5,500 to 11,000 basically, and it is, it is straight up. It, yeah. Well, what? It, it took you two. Two and a half hours for you to get, and you guys are in good shape. You know, it took us longer than that. We weren't at the little pinnacle to where we were at. It was probably eleven, eleven thirty, and we got on the trail at seven. But we went up, we stopped, we saw deer, we glassed, we went up, we stopped again. We then we got into that big basin and saw thirty deer in there that we just sat and watched them for you know thirty minutes. So had we got on it, we probably could have got up there in two hours, but. Every time you turn around, there's you know there's twenty deer on the hillside. There's three bucks standing there. It's so. don't look at the deer. Just get there and then start looking. That's for deer. the hardest part. You can't do that. Though. I mean, <laughs> it's like if you could do that, it would be a lot easier. Be, but you don't know if you're walking by an opportunity. That's so right. And that you have to stop. Don't know if you're walking by the only opportunity. Yeah. And that's the reality. You the just don't know. That you're here you to would find. Take that you would, you're here for, and you overlooked him because you were in a hurry. Well, that was the other thing, no different than coming off the mountain. You know, actually, when we saw those sheep, I'm like, well, you got to look everywhere. You can't just look, you can't look in the one area that you think the animals are going to be. You got to look everywhere because you just never know where and that, that, that buck has picked his two favorite does out. And scooted him off into some little hole because he's not getting harassed by all the other bucks. Yeah. I mean, they could be down in the bottom or they can be up in some top nasty bowl that is away from everybody else's 
prying eyes. Yeah. It's interesting when you read some of the comments here about the Goodale unit. You know, it is, they classify one of the better hunts in the state, right? They don't say it is the best hunt, but a lot of the smaller four points with some 170 type bucks are available. So I think there's been a few taken out of here, to your point, that are in that range, but we're still trying to find that. It's interesting, talks about how quality has slipped partly because of too many tags. So it's funny how, you know, I think they've recognized there's a problem, but I don't know that they I think really when you say they, though, it's it's the public has recognized correct, correct. the problem, not the fish and game, because I think fish and games really, once again, back to that, they're managing the people, not the animals, so... yeah. But it does say expect a physical hunt in higher elevations to get to <laughs> yeah. bigger bucks. I mean, they pretty much lay it out there. If you want the big Put bucks, your sleeping bag in your backpack yeah. because you may but spend how many the people, night. But how many people do that? How Especially a maximum point holder. I mean, it took took 15 plus years for me to draw it. I mean, you have to have the forethought to think, okay, in 15, 20 years, I might want to do this. Well... Jeez, oh, cry me. Usually, well, you, get, you say 15 years, but you started at the inception of Preference Points for California. Correct. Before, so, yeah. for a gentleman like myself, it's not going to be just 15 years, I don't think. Well, that's that's a high probability, because you got to get rid of the other 500 people that have max points. Absolutely. And if they all stick the course, I mean, that's, that's a lot of tags to get through before they go to the next level down. Yeah, yeah. well, so. max point continues to... Cr- increase and you've got more people applying than what's being given in tags so you're you're truly your your percentage continues to drop yeah if you have people that continue on the pace of of max point holders yeah i'm foreseeing in the next five to five to ten years that g3 is going to be least of odds to draw than the arizona strip it i mean that's that's a probability I look mean, at the amount of applications, 4,700 total applications in 15. So That's crazy. I don't know how many put in for 12 A and B in Arizona, but it's the best unit in the state, and I don't think there's that many applications that go into those units. <laughs> but there's less tag allocation too, right? There's yeah. one or two non-resident, and I, can't, I don't know how many resident 20 tags. and 35. Yeah. So... Well, that's 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 the tough thing. Once again, you have to you have to figure out what's best for you. Yeah. You know, is yep. it focusing on a Northern California, you know, hunt and trying something, or is it stick with this because you've been here once and now you kind of know the lay of the land? I mean, that's a big advantage. That's what I thought actually after he drew it. I thought, well, hey, look, I've been here. I kind of know. A dozen places where I'm pretty sure deer are gonna be held up, and sure enough, there's deer there, just not the deer that just deer you, you dream. <laughs> just oh, deer. that's not a deer. Right. That's yeah. not one we're looking that's for. Not that's, a buck. that's not a buck. That's not a buck. That's just a deer. <laughs> that's just a deer. Yeah. Well, you know, you gotta categorize them somehow, right? Well, in the years you've hunted, you've hunted some, you've shot some big bucks, so and you've seen some big bucks, so. I keep thinking I'm going to shoot a big buck. I've drawn quite a few good tags and ended up not killing what I dream about. But once again, mule deer is the number, in my opinion, right now in the United States, the number one hardest animal to kill a trophy animal is the deer, you know, is the mule deer. 
if you're a if you want to go hunting cool animal and have fun and get one most of the time and have a chance at possibly killing a big one, elk is animal. There's antelope all over the western United States. Whitetail, holy cow. Every state has big whitetail that are being yeah. killed. I mean, look at that one that was killed. What, was that killed in Kentucky or something like that? The there new one, potential world record, yeah, non-typical? Shot in the Midwest that was yeah. a tank. Yeah. Either Kansas I mean, or Nebraska. But. I'm like, hello? I mean, those are, I mean, the, all the other animals you can go out and shoot pretty much anywhere. Yeah. But mule deer is the toughest right now of everywhere. And that's that's going anywhere. I mean, if you had unlimited funds where you can go hunting in Mexico or Canada or or anywhere in the United States, I mean, mule deer is the toughest one. So it's hard, you know. Okay, guys, so we're going to go ahead and, and uh, just kind of go through closing comments. So what we typically do is we, we think about what we've, we've talked about, you know, this evening and what we've experienced in the last three to four days and just provide some closing comments or remarks on kind of where we're at right now. And, you know, the hope is, is that, you know, in the next week, um, we'll be sharing some photos of, of Jason's trophy buck. But um, who wants to open? Anyway, anyone have any closing comments or remarks from what we've talked about or what you've seen so far in this last three to well, four days? The good, the good thing is you have eight days left, right? Eight days left. And you have tomorrow to... morning could be the morning. That's right. Any any morning could be. But the good the good the good thing is you're not one like the rest and just shoot what you see like I would have done already. <laughs> but my experience from this is if if you if anybody gets a chance to go to a premier unit like this and just go and witness it and help a buddy out, it is truly something to see because I'm not joking when I say you put up a you put up glass or your binoculars and lo and behold you just move an inch to the left and there's a buck standing there or there's a doe standing there. It's it's been a truly special trip and G3 is an amazing unit. There's a lot of deer in this in this unit. So I I say that exact same thing. I keep waiting for somebody to call me and say, "Hey, I drew a Henry's Mountains mule deer hunt." <laughs> oh my God, can I please come with Take you? Me. I mean. <laughs> can, I promise. Hello? I promise to do dishes. I promise to to I'll pack to, your rifle to, for you. Yeah, I could. Well, no, you probably don't want to give me your rifle. That's not a good idea. <laughs> no ammunition. You can pack. Your I rifle. don't know. I'm pretty. I'm I'll pretty ingenious when it comes to finding ammo. Um, but that, yeah. That, that being said, I I pretty much had to beg Lucas to come too because I was that excited. So. Well, you're more you, than you welcome. You have to put in that the Henry Mountains are in Utah. Minor details. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people who might be listening to this, they won't know where the Henry Mountains are. Oh, and well, if they didn't, if they should have. If they're listening, they, they might. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They should if know. they're hunters, they probably already know about it. Yeah. So. You know, my big thing is that when I get drawn for this, it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I knew I had, you know, my brother, my father, my son, you know, which is really what hunting is about to us and our family. But it was incredible to have Evan and Greg. And just... New additions to the right, family. New additions to the family. I the told them, family. these guys, you're my two new best friends. 
Well, and, and it's amazing because I don't get to do these hunts like Jason does. Well, got a phone call this year from my brother and says, hey, you know, what goes around comes around. It's time for you to pay up. You know, it's like we got a friend from down south here that got drawn for a share tag in Delaware County for our elk. And then I was excited because, heck, I know where those are, you know. And it was, and he was like, I can't believe, you know, how you've never met me before. And you open your house to me and stay with him and you take me out. And, you know, it's like, but that's the way that these guys, Evan and Greg, were to me. You know, and just like here, you guys are here for Jason. And if you get drawn, I'm sure Jason will be here. And if one of us could, you know, tag along, we appreciate it. <laughs> but no, that it's just the neat, neat like like you said, family environment, new members of the family. Yeah, yeah. So that's the part I enjoy about it. I really do. You hunting, know? hunting. That I mean that. That's the funny thing. You meet different people, different countries. I mean, we've been in other countries, and all of a sudden you meet somebody that's got that hunting culture and it's amazing it's almost as if you're it's a passion. kindred your kindred spirits that just stick together and i mean finding somebody that's willing to go you know i'm never going to draw this tag again odds the, are that ron's never going to draw it again so it's like you go man i'm looking for somebody to freaking draw it I just want to go. I want to yeah. be able to see their... Yeah. I want to live through their eyes just like I did one time in the past. And that that's half the fun. It's no different than taking your that's kid on sure. their first... That's, that's like I was telling you earlier. Like You told Daniel and I yesterday, you guys mind hiking 8,000 up this ridge and looking around this rock base where, where we couldn't see yesterday? I'm, Are you kidding me, Jason? You want me to go look at trophy class bucks in one of the best zones in the state? Hell yeah. Yeah. But it's... you look at a guy like Evan who's shot his buck. His brother shot probably one of the biggest bucks out of this unit. And those guys spend, you know, probably 30 man days walking up and down every single inch and square inch of this place trying to find deer. And they don't have a tag in their pocket. People. And they don't have a tag in their pocket. Yeah. Right. They're just they're just living. They do it because they're, they love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when Jason texted me and I still I kept the text that said, you know, hey man, I drew the G three tag this year. And uh, you know, I was thinking like, you know, I gotta see I gotta check this place out. And when Brandon and I were driving up, I said, you know, this is probably the most excited I've ever been or I've went on a hunt where I didn't have a tag in my pocket, right? Rarely do I ever go and help some people out if I don't have a tag in my pocket. But just knowing the history and, and you know, the the years behind this unit, uh, it's so neat to see and to be here and to share that experience with somebody. Because, you know, and to your point, Ron, what goes around comes around. You know, we're all, we're a circle here of people and hunters, but we've all got friends that do the same thing that eventually may draw this tag right and it brings those people together and that's why we're all here we're all here to see you know Jason be successful we want to be a part of that success so it's cool tomorrow morning it's a cool place right. to be here hey you know if it happens tomorrow morning you got a lot of help 
That is a good point. You know, after tomorrow, you may be on your own for, for a few days. Of course, you've got the two resident pack horses here in town. But Well, yeah. you know, the old saying goes, you have to wait till you find him before you can make that decision. And I, I mean, listen, I mean, the second day I came here, I did a hike. I saw one deer that was pretty nice that was still, at, once again, it was 310, and he was another seven, 800 yards up. And I thought, unless I'm planning on spending the night here, that's not going to happen. And then on the way back down, I saw that one buck that had great fronts, and I was like, it could be all over. I mean, I could pull the trigger right now, and, and it'd be done. And I thought, but that's not what I came here for. I came here for that one deer that when you see it in your heart and mind, you instantly know that's the deer. That's the one that I've been dreaming about my whole life, and there he is. Am I going to find him? I hope so, but hopefully it'll be tomorrow morning. But if it's not tomorrow morning, and it happens to be when I'm up on that mountain by myself, I will so call all of you guys. That's right. And maybe call you a couple extra things, but I'll send you a picture, and then two or three days later, when I'm slepping out the last piece of him, I'll think thoughts like, man, why didn't I shoot that little forget horn, that spike boy fork that we saw today? <laughs> he would have been a nice eater, what can I say? Yeah, and he was uphill from today. the road. Yeah. But you know what? That's what the story is about. If you shoot it by yourself... You'll take care of it by yourself, just like you've done in the past. If you yep. shoot it with us, we'll all enjoy it. You know, that's what makes the stories. Yeah, we're, we're all hands on deck when we're here, and we know if we're not here, Jason will do the right thing ethically and make sure that animal is, is taken care of. That's that's yep. why we do this. That's why we're here. I mean, it's all about the adventure. some people, it's about ego, but everyone in this room, it's not about that. It's, it's about, you know, trying to find the best buck within... The acceptable class that we see. Well, in when you think about one. this whole thing, what you really want is probably about the oldest buck on that mountain because he has to be super old to have a tremendous rack. And this buck is probably going to die within two years from nature. And so you're not hurting the gene pool, no. really, because this buck's probably old enough where he's not breeding anymore anyway. So Yeah. That's well, that's why I think the misnomer is around trophy hunting. There's people that say, well, if it's not 200 inches, I won't shoot it. But to your point, to trophy hunt is to take mature animals, right? Yeah. And it's animals that have been able to procreate and have multiple years of you passing know, their genes along. Absolutely. And I think trophy hunting has multiple, you know, purposes. Yeah, there's people like the auction tag guy here who's looking for the biggest buck who can spend, you know, 20, 30, 40 grand and purchase that tag and not even shoot a buck and be okay with that. But then there's people that want to shoot the most mature, you know, older class quality animal. Whether or not they have the biggest rack or not is one thing, but to me that's more trophy hunting than what everyone sees at you know the trade shows and a lot of the folks yeah. now that are there to me that's more of an ego thing to them is is that look at my trophy room versus um, you know taking a more mature 
quality um, animal. So, okay. Fun, 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 baby. Yeah. So, any other closing comments? Daniel, you've been a little quiet over there. I think he went to sleep, actually, because, you know, it's past his bedtime. He's got to get up late. at 5 We've been again. rambling yeah. for a while, but... What, do you got anything to say to your uncle for tomorrow? Um, kill it tomorrow so I could help, because I'm not... I have to go back to work Monday. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in They're that They're going to be SOL. I mean. We're like, come on. We're like busting our butts trying to find this buck so we can all be here to yeah. pack out a backstrap or a loin or something, but... It'll come together. Mule right? deer on the barbecue, does. baby. It always does. Being patient, I think, is important, and I think patience is going to prove out for you on this trip. So enjoy the moment. All right, guys. So with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Um, I want to thank everyone for being here. I'm sure Jason is fully appreciative for for having everyone here. Not only help, but also having family here. I think that's really what this is about is being able to share these experiences and adventures with your family. So I think that's really cool. And I'm, I think Brandon and I are just happy to be along to, for the ride and an extra set of eyes and an extra set of legs. If we do manage to, to, help, to get yeah. one down, always but, welcome. Uh, yeah. We're, we're just fortunate to be here and fortunate to have this experience. So anyway, with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, sign off. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Good night. First and foremost, I want to thank everyone for listening. The RNA Outdoors podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found both on the podcast feed and our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. Feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed. We are live on Podbean and iTunes. For iOS slash Apple users, go to podcast on your Apple device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. When you subscribe to a podcast using the podcast app for iOS or using iTunes on your Mac or PC, you are subscribing to the podcast updates by that particular podcast producer. With iCloud, you can synchronize your podcast subscriptions across all devices. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean or just use our website, again, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on any of our social media platforms, Twitter is at RNA Outdoors. Instagram is hashtag Rod and Arrow Outdoors. And of course, Facebook, you can search by just looking at RNA Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you have heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Please join us next time for another edition of the Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast. <laughs>